Hello and welcome, my name is Daniela, I'm a Catholic speaker and evangelist and you're listening to Parhesia Podcast. Parhesia from the Greek meaning to speak all freely, openly and boldly. In the words of Hebrews 3.13, I am here today to encourage you. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He loves you and I am cheering you on. I pray you're greatly blessed and invite you to subscribe for the latest episodes and to share this podcast. Then he said to his disciples, that is why I am telling you not to worry about your life. Nor, and then it goes on, nor must you worry. There is no need to be afraid. And in other translations, it says, do not keep striving, do not keep worrying. You know, in other translations, it says, as opposed to worry, it says anxious. Now, you see it all over now, don't you? Anxiety. You know, it's all over the NHS, you hear it everywhere. So many people are struggling with anxiety. And it's a real thing. You know, I was speaking to a nurse about it. Do you know what she told me? She said 80% of patients in A&E, do you know what they're there for? Anxiety. 80% of patients. And I can understand with everything that we've been through in the last couple of years, you know, the lack of faith in society, people, no God, no peace. And I'm not saying people here, if you struggle with any worry or anxiety, it's because you're not turning to God. But I mean, as a whole, when you look into the society, it's anxiety riddled. But then you turn to the scripture, Jesus said, do not be anxious. And I did a bit of research, because I know when Joe asked me to speak, he said, will you delve into a scripture? Because I did one for the day of renewal, it was about Jacob's wrestle. And it was, um, you know, it was a big chunk of passage, but I just couldn't get a story for, for you guys, I'm afraid. <laughs> The Lord had a different message and it was this, do not worry. And when it went into the Greek and the Hebrew for this scripture, the word anxious, do not worry, do not be anxious. It comes from the Greek merimnates, okay, merimnates. And that means to be over anxious or distracted. What was funny when I was preparing for this talk, my mind was so distracted. It was all over the show. And it wasn't necessarily about anything major. I just couldn't focus. My mind was over there, it was over there. And it was through that lived experience that the Lord was saying, this is your talk. You know, the prophets, they prophesied through their lived experience. If you go through the Old Testament, they had to go through what the teaching was. And so my mind was so distracted. And even, I'll just be transparent, um, the Lord has shown, you know, he's shone a light in the last couple of months that my mind has been quite distracted because I, I came when someone was speaking to me and I was listening to them and they were giving me directions and I was just staring, thinking about something else and in that moment it dawned, I was distracted and I don't even know what about and I thought, no, focus on what this person is saying to me because I need these directions and I felt like it was Christ. You know, Christ is trying to give us all directions in life but for some reason we're distracted. And so Greek marinate, and it means to be distracted. And when you look at what distracted means, you know, it's good to dig deep into a word because it really opens the meaning. 
It means to be divided into parts, drawn in opposite directions, go to pieces or pulled apart. You know, so your mind is literally like this, you know, literally like this. This is what it means to be anxious. Your mind is being pulled in different directions. Or from the Latin, it means to dis, which means apart, trahere, which means to drag, drag apart. I'm just giving you some visual images of what happens when we allow ourselves to worry or to be anxious. I know for some people, obviously, anxiety is actually a medical condition. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even qualified to talk about that. But to some degree, the Christ gives us the choice to choose not to worry. And it's hard. So you've got to be a bit like a soldier. You've really got to persevere in thinking, okay, Lord, I trust you. Okay, Lord, I trust you. And if you have to say it a thousand times a day, so be it. Persevere. And if there's one virtue that I'd really encourage you to grow in, it's perseverance. You need perseverance in life. And especially in this day and age in society. You need to persevere, and I'll open up that a bit more later. And so another, like the etymology, you know, the root of the word for anxious, you know, it means a drawing of the mind in different directions, mental confusion and bewilderment. But then what does Jesus say? He says, can any of you, however much you worry, add a single cubit, as in hour, to your span of life? And you can't. In fact, what does it do? It takes the hour from your span of life. Or maybe it takes two or three. You know, however long you let yourself worry and start thinking or just not trusting in the Lord. And you don't get that time back. That hour you know, we have our God-given time on this earth. And so the Lord says, it doesn't give you an hour. actually takes an hour from you. It takes an hour from you. You know, St. Paul says in Ephesians, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Putting on the armour of God. And elsewhere, as we all know, Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the question I have, is how do we become strong in Christ? How do you think we become strong in the Lord? It's by becoming more dependent on him. That's how you become strong in Christ. You become strong and independent by being dependent on him. And I can really testify that the, the more you grow up, the more you realise how much you need God. And that I really testify that the sooner you realise that, it makes life a lot easier. Because you take the world's pressure off your shoulders when you allow Christ to carry the yoke. You know, as it says in Matthew, he carries the burden. So if there's any internal pressure within you to achieve and to make something of your life, give it to Christ because he's the one who makes something of your life. There's no pressure on you. And that is what Christ is saying tonight. He carries the burden. So any burdens that you've got, allow him to carry them because he's right next to you. You know, it'd be a bit silly in a way, wouldn't it? Now, I'm not saying it's very easy to give your burdens over because that's relinquishing control, isn't it? 
sometimes we can't let go of the burdens because we don't know what that means. But the Lord, it's just the simple message. Don't worry. I'll carry your burdens. I'm walking with you. You don't need to be afraid. You're going to have an amazing life. It doesn't mean it's going to be free of suffering, but with me by your side, I'm making you strong. He is your strength and he wants you to lean on him. And so many people need this and they don't have a clue. But you're here because the Lord wants you to lean on him and he wants you to be free of anxiety, worry, stress and burdens. And it's a daily practice to hand them over to Christ who walked with us. And you know, this Thursday, I always look at the liturgy for a message from the Lord. So whenever I give a talk or a teach, and I say, right, 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 Lord, what are the readings? Because that is the voice of Christ through the liturgy. You know, the Lord speaks. If you're ever struggling, first point of call is see what the readings are, because the Lord will speak through those if he has an answer for you. And so this Thursday, what is the scripture, the gospel? It's about the wise man who built his house on a rock. And who is that rock? Christ. Christ is the rock. So this is a time to build your life on Christ. This is the season to come close with Christ, to get to know him and to learn to trust him. Because trust takes time. It's the biggest um, experience the Lord has put me through, is trust. And every talk, I feel like I'm a stuck record. The Lord's making every talk about trust. But we need it more than ever. And the Lord doesn't want you in this season of your life to be unhappy. He wants you to experience the deep joy of his companionship. And of his guidance. And of his presence in your life. And so... He's calling us to build our life on the rock. And that is a daily task for the rest of our life. And so Christ wants to carry your burdens. And when you go into that, um, so I am opening up the Greek because it's really interesting. If you do read a Bible passage, just go on Google and look for the Greek. It's really interesting. It opens up in a whole new level. And that Matthew 7, where it says about building your house on rock, the words where it says the winds blew, that come, those words, the winds blew, it comes from the Greek anemoi, A-N-E-M-O-I, anemoi, I think that's how you say it. And when I looked into the, the deeper meaning of this, it actually means to, like, it's a figurative expression applied to empty doctrines. In other words, empty teaching, empty truth, false truth, things that aren't true. And so you'll come across in your life, you know, your house, which is you, the winds come blowing and it's just constant lies all around you from the world, the flesh and the enemy. And this is where you get in constant different battles. You know, what, what is the world saying? You've got that voice. Then you've got, you know, the part of us that needs to be purified, the flesh, which is just because of the fall, we struggle with sin. And then you've got obviously the enemy saying things as well. And so think of the different winds in your life. When the winds blow, what are you believing? You know, and, and, and this talk really goes into about when St. Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Your mind, there's research that shows it's very powerful. You know, in the first seven years of your life, 
uh, all the brain neurons are like wired to work in a certain way based on what your experience was in the first seven years. Now, this is just research. I'm not saying this gospel truth. This is just scientific research. And so sometimes we do have thinking patterns that aren't right. And this is why I said, St. Paul said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know, what are you believing? Are you believing in the negativity that's around you? Or are you believing in the word of Christ? When he said that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or when he said that I have conquered the world. Or when he said that I am the light of the world. So when you feel in darkness, hang on a minute. Christ is the light. I am not in the darkness. You know, it might, the scriptures sometimes seem very contradictory to your lived experience. But that's where faith comes in. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. That is a scripture passage. You walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes you've got to literally, if you have to force it out, force yourself to say the scriptures, especially when you're struggling. You know, maybe you struggle to believe that God loves you. Read the word. It doesn't lie. Say it to yourself until you believe it, till it drops from here to here. Because that is the longest journey. It takes ages. And the reason, you know, for some people like St. Paul, it was that, wow, experience when he was knocked off the horse. But for most, it's a slow journey. And I can tell you for my own self, it's been a slow journey. You know, Jesus has been really kind. He's been really gentle, actually. He gently heals and moulds us and renews us day by day, step by step. And I'll tell you why it's most often gentle, because we wouldn't be able to handle the Lord's amount of grace all at once that he wants to pour into your life. It's too much. And I'll, I'll give you a bit of proof. One time I was at a prayer meeting and I went up to be prayed with by the prayer people and I didn't tell him what was on my mind. And I just said, oh, just let the Lord speak. You know, I just wanted to give the Lord a chance. In a way, I was really naughty actually. Like I was kind of testing, Lord, are you, do you know what's really in my heart? And he spoke exactly into what I was worried about. So I wasn't testing him. I was just giving him the space to reveal that he knows what goes on inside my heart. And they turned around and they said, the Lord wants you to know that he does love you. But, I know, can you believe that? A book following the Lord loves me. <laughs> the Lord loves you, but... He can't reveal just how much because it would break you. It would break me. You know, and I was like, that's fine. Just break me. <laughs> you know, in sort of like a childish way. But that is how much the Lord, and that's not just for me. It's for you. So the Lord loves you that much. You almost can't reveal it because it would break you. Like that's a consolation, that isn't it? you know, to know that that's how much he loves us. And so I asked the question, what are you believing? Ask the Lord to shine a light on the things that aren't his truth in your mind and heart. What lies do you believe? Because they're so subtle. They're so subtle. The Lord wants to unturn every stone to renew your mind and to fill it with his light, his truth, his joy, his revelation, his peace. He wants to fill it with all of those. So that you see yourself how he sees you. Not how other people or how you see yourself, but how he sees you. You see, because 
everything you think, do and say is influenced by what you believe, especially in your mind. You know, it says in Matthew, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I, I noticed my, one of my flaws, and I know a lot, a lot of people will be able to relate to this, but when I'm anxious or worried, I speak a lot. So it's a mirror reflection of what goes on in here. I've got all these thoughts going on and they all come out like a, you know, like a big volcano. And so it's reflected sometimes in your actions, what's going on in here. And this is why the Lord wants to go deep to renew your heart and your mind, ultimately to heal you and to free you so that you can be happy. You know, it's St. Paul says, what I want is your happiness. The Lord wants you to be happy. Took me ages to believe that, that he wants me to be happy. I just, obviously I believed it, but I mean deep, deep, deep down, you know, when you sit and ponder these things and you really question yourself, do I believe this? You'll realise maybe there's some areas for healing. We're all in need of healing every single day. Every single one of us in the whole wide world. Apart from, obviously, Our Lady, because she was about sin. And as they say, Joseph, by tradition as well. Where it says the winds blew or beat against, it comes from the Greek prosekopsan. And it means to strike at, surge against, to stub on or trip up. So the winds in your life, the storms that you go through, wherever they come from, you know, we're constantly being tried to be striked at, surged against or tripped up. And this is why it's good to turn to Christ and ask him to tell you the truth about things. To be strong in the Lord. He'd never trip you up. The Lord is there to lift you up. To carry you. To carry the burden. And it's interesting because that same Greek word for anxious that we've just read in Luke. Do not be worried. Do not be anxious. It's also the same Greek word in Philippians 4. You know when St. Paul says the Lord is near. Never worry about anything. But tell God all your desires of every kind in prayer and petition, shot through with gratitude. And the peace of God, which is beyond our understanding, will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. The Lord is near. The first four words of that passage. The Lord is near, and that is so appropriate for the day that we've just entered. It's the first Sunday of Advent. And in Latin, Advent means Adventus, and it means coming. The Lord is near and he's coming. You know, obviously we celebrate this at Christmas, but he's actually coming into your life in a new way, in a deeper way. He's got graces for you in the season of Advent if you'll open yourself up to them because he desires to come into your heart, mind, body and soul in a new way, in a deeper way so that your life can be more built well, I'm not knocking, but on solid rock so that you can stand firm and not go down at the blows and the winds that come around you so that you know who you are in Christ. So that you're confident. Confidence, you know, that means confidence to trust. It's to do with trust, confidence. To be confident in who you are, where you are, what he's called you to. You know, there's power in this season coming up. Now, every day is holy because the Lord came and he sanctified every day. But the Lord, you know, Jesus said, my father goes on working and so do I. 
You know, do you think Jesus is up there sat on his throne just watching? No, he said, I go on working and he's working in your life every day. You might not feel it, see it, sense it, perceive it, but I promise you, it's more than a fact. It's more than a scientific truth. He's working in your life every single day. Every single day is with you and he's working in your life to help you and to encourage you along the journey. Do you know Jesus? Such a simple question. Do you know the Lord? I'm not saying answer that, just ponder the question. You know, I'm not saying I stand up here and I know him perfectly. I really don't at all. And I'll be, I'll only fully know him when I hopefully stand before him one day. You know, it's a work in progress every day, but do you know the Lord? Because, you know, trust grows the more you know someone. You've got to get to know someone to really trust them. And it's the same with Christ. He wants that personal relationship with you. One-to-one. -one. He wants that personal relationship where you pour out your heart to him and trust that he cares about every single word that you say. You see, what did Jesus say to the woman at the well? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you. So tonight, Christ is speaking to us. If only we knew him for who he really is. You know, not our perception. Sometimes our sufferings, our fears, our wounds can cloud our vision and perception of God. And Christ wants to reveal who he really is to us. You know, it's a journey and it's a process. And I just want to recommend two things to help you in your journey of coming to know the Lord. Or in other words, coming to trust the Lord. And the first one, you know, these are so simple. And you might think, oh, like... You know, we've heard all this before. I've heard it loads and it's only just sinking in. The penny's only just dropping. And the first one is scripture. Is reading the Bible. Just bear with me. I want to give you an example. About eight years ago, I was at my parish. I was at, working at the cathedral and I went round to mass. And at the time I was looking for a spiritual director and, you know, not that I'm testing the Lord, but, you know, like I'm speaking to him and I'm, sometimes it's good to be quite direct and say, right, well, if you do this, then I'll do this kind of thing. You know, when he sometimes he likes you to be yourself. And I said to him, I had my eyes closed and there was an old priest who had been to confession to a couple of times and his, his counsel really helped those two times. And I've been praying about a priest to, you know, for spiritual direction. And I said to the Lord, Right, Lord, if you want him to be my spiritual director, send him over. <laughs> and then, I'm not joking. I mean, my prayers haven't been answered like this for a long time. It's been quite difficult, but anyway. But I just felt, I, I was had my eyes closed. And then I just opened my eyes and he was stood in front of me. I was like, hi, Father. And then I said, I've just prayed for the Lord to send you over. And you came. You know, he was like 80 years old. He's walking sick. And he's gone to the Lord now. And may he rest in peace. But... I was so excited because it was such a, you know, a powerful experience that the Lord actually answered my prayer. <laughs> and so I was dead excited and I went to my first session with him and it was just, you know, about how to go deeper with the Lord and all that type of thing. And I was expecting St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, you know, all the mystics and the saints. And he gets out a Bible and he says, let's learn how to read the Bible. And I was, I was literally halfway through a theology degree now, this isn't me pride speaking here. In my mind, I was thinking, I read the Bible every day. I'm studying the faith. I'm in it every day. 
And so I was a bit like fed up. I was like, oh, come on, I know how to read the Bible. And it's only, it was only last year that I realized the lesson, you know, after five or six years, even at the time, still didn't appreciate it, but I appreciate it now. And for eight months, one session a month, it's all we spoke about was the Bible. And the Lord, through him, was working on the foundations, getting me to read the word, which is alive and active. It's actually alive. You know, the word is Christ. It's not just words on a page. When you open the Bible, there's power. The spirit, Reniero Cantalamessa, he's the Pope's preacher. So he preaches to the Pope in the Vatican. He said that the spirit lives in and amongst the pages of, of the scriptures. So it's not static. It's always moving. There's always life when you open that book and the Lord will speak. And another time, um, and this again, this was only this year. So the message is always being hammered home. I went on a pilgrimage, a Marian pilgrimage, and I went into the confessional and it was, you know, rearing for the priest to give me some good juicy counsel. And he said, read the Bible. <laughs> I was like, I'm doing it all the time while I'm preparing for talks, because I'm not studying now. But again, the Lord was saying, you're not allowing the word to take its effect in your life. And it's only been in the last year where I've actually managed to quieten down, hold the Bible and enjoy it. You know, I enjoyed it before through the studies, but I mean as an enjoyment with the Lord. And actually, you know, we do go through dry times, so I'm not going to say it's always going to be dead, you know, heartwarming when you read it. But it's only been last year that I've read it and I'm soaking up the words. My soul is soaking them up because it's thirsty for the truth. For the truth. Because that, you know, it says my word is a lamp. Your word is a lamp for my feet. So if you feel in darkness, let the word light up your feet, your path, your life, your life. Now, the phone is a great thing, okay? It's a source of blessing. I'm able to record this. But I did an exercise just yesterday and I'm really ashamed to admit this. I went into my settings and I thought, how much screen time have I had on my phone this week? Oh, it's really bad. <laughs> now, my excuse is that I work on my phone. Okay, that's my excuse. You know, it's just for ministry. I use it for ministry. But I have spent 41 hours on my phone this week. And do you know how many times I've picked up my phone? This is really embarrassing to admit. 397 times. I was mortified. I've picked up my phone that many times this week. I can't say I've read the Bible for 41 hours. And I can't say I've picked up the Bible 397 times. But I've picked this up. Why? Lord really convicted me. It's addictive. It is addictive. And you've got to be disciplined. And this is such a simple message. You know, I feel like I'm not a school teacher, by the way, telling us off. I just admitted myself, my own weakness when using your phone. If you haven't got the discipline of screen time, as they call it. But for me, the one thing that was getting in the way of reading the scripture was this. It's the first thing I did when I woke up, pick up my phone. Last thing I did at night, pick up my phone. And I did a talk on this last year. When I'm anxious or looking for consolation or feeling a bit lonely, what did I do? Go to my phone. As if my phone has the answers. Now, I know you can get the Bible on your phone. 
but it was actually making my worry and any anxious thoughts worse. You know, if you can imagine your mind is already being pulled in different directions, imagine what your phone does when you, oh, check that app, and then I check that one, and I check that one. And you're just doing it through habit, looking for messages, and ultimately, looking for love. That sounds really deep, but when you go to the root of it, you're looking for someone who's reached out to you, even if it's about work or whatever, do you know what I mean? And so I just want to encourage it. Phones are good, you know, I'm not dissing them, they're a source of blessing. But it's just also good to have this mentality and awareness for your faith journey. You know, the inventor, you know, the infinite scroll. You can just scroll and scroll and scroll. Apparently, the inventor said he felt guilty. He said he never um, intended it to become addictive. And he felt guilty that so many people cannot stop scrolling. Because it isn't actually good for your mind. You know, there's loads of research, loads on Netflix, isn't there? I've not watched it, but the social media dilemma and all that type of thing. I'm not dissing it. It's good. John Paul II talks loads about using social communications to preach the gospel. But not to the detriment of putting down the scriptures. Not the phone over the scriptures. Do you know what I mean? And that it's, it's quite a simple, hard message in a way. Because we all use our phones. I used that, I just made 41 hours this week. Shocking. I need to sort this out. I'm going to treat this advent like Lent. I'm going to do some disciplinary action. Pick up the Bible instead. You see, the question to ask is, what consumes my time? What do I spend my time on? What information am I filling my heart and mind with? Where am I searching? Whose voice am I listening to? There's so much information on the social media that it can just fill you and you can't see Christ. Yeah, you see religious things on there, but even still, like, it can just become too much sometimes. And I'm sure you can agree. You know, I did a bit of investigation. Do you know what the top Google search was for 2022? The top Google search for this year on Google. Facebook. Facebook was the most searched word this year. Where are people turning to? They're turning to Facebook. And then the Google 2022 study, search study, revealed that heightened emotions were driving searches. So by, behind every search, there were more emotional searches and questions. So people's, um, people are searching because they're struggling deep, deep down. And what does the scripture say about the word itself? Just listen to how amazing this is. You know, Google just said that heightened emotions are causing people to go on Google looking for the answers. And this is what the Bible says about the word. The word of God is something alive and active. It cuts like any double-edged sword, but more finely. It can slip through the place where the soul is divided from the spirit or joints from the marrow. It can judge the secret emotions and thoughts. Google can't do that. Google can't tell, you know, it can't judge your emotions and thoughts, but Christ can. And it's not judging a, you know, in that typical image we have. Christ will speak into where you need it. He will, if you're feeling unloved or worried or whatever the emotion is, he's got a scripture that will just shoot in and bring healing. Whereas Google and Facebook, they're not going to heal you. They do add to worry and anxiety if you're on it too much. I'm speaking from my own experience. 
and there's times when I've come off, I'm having a break. I need the Lord's voice. I'm sick of all that noise out there. And you do get like that. Sometimes the Lord allows you to get like that, so you get off it. And I'm not saying delete your accounts or anything like that, but just ask the Lord to show you where you can make a change, a decision for your own well-being. Where he's saying, why don't you just take a day off this week and listen to me instead? Discipline and perseverance is so key for your life. You really need it. And the other thing, I'll just give one example there about the scriptures. I once heard a story of an alcoholic. He really struggled for 25 years. Really, really struggled with the drink. It ruined his marriage, his family. This was a man from Italy. And he went to the last resort. They tried everything. And he went to this Bible study with his wife. And I think, now obviously, the church teaches when you're opening the Bible, if you're doing it like that, asking the Lord to speak, do it after a lot of prayer, discernment, you know, don't just rush and open the Bible because it doesn't always speak that way. Only if you really feel prompted to take the word and ask the Lord to speak. Or you go to the readings of the day. Or, you know, find this different, speaking about online, you can find all sorts online about different scriptures to read if you want to grow in the faith. But this time, this man who was struggling with alcohol, he opened the Bible and he was healed of his alcoholism instantly. Do you know why? Because he read one line and he said it shot through his heart like a fiery flame. He could feel all the heat and it healed him. He never touched a drink again. And if you've ever spoke to an alcoholic or someone who struggles with drink, it is extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult to give up the drink. And this man was healed like that. And the line was from Song of Songs, more delightful is your love than wine. And it changed his life. Just one scripture like that. How amazing is that? These things happen. You know, once I actually asked the Lord myself, I said, Lord, this was about when I was 21 and I was on Facebook, <laughs> speaking of it, and I was scrolling as we do. And I saw, do you remember that Greg's advert where they put Jesus in, in the place of the sausage roll? It was really blasphemous. It was terrible. It was a really degrading advert for the faith. And there was a lot of uproar about it. And there was a post about this. And I was reading the comments and people were being horrible about the Lord. You know, I'm not judging him, but I'm just stating the facts. And it really upset me to hear that, to read the things that they were saying about Christ. You know, and I, I like, there was so much hatred Jesus in these messages and I just said to the Lord Lord why do people hate you so much like why and I opened the Bible and do you know what scripture I got it was from John's gospel and it was the words John 15 25 they hated me without a cause it was a direct answer to my question now I'm not saying he always answers like that but give him a chance because he'll speak into your heart and the final thing I just want to say about encouraging you, the scriptures will heal your mind, put down the phone, read the scriptures more and allow your mind to just declutter. You need your mind time for silence and space and peace. And the place where I experience that the most is in the church. I cannot advocate sitting before the tabernacle enough. The scriptures and the Eucharist is my two pieces of advice. There's many other things that I do, 
but they're the two pillars. And this one, sitting before the tabernacle, it is life-changing. I really advocate it. Every, do it as much as you can. Try and do, I know it sounds a lot, an hour a day, half an hour, just wherever you begin, sit before the Lord. How else can you get to know him? He's there, body, blood, soul and divinity, truly present. How else can we get to know him if we don't sit with him? And I'm not saying, you know, for me, I've sat in a church, it's freezing cold, I've got a migraine, you know, literally the breath is coming out, I can see it because it's that cold. My mind is just confused or whatever. But being there, you don't realise the graces that are going into your soul. And sometimes I'll put my headphones in and listen to praise and worship. Maybe I'll read the scriptures. Maybe I'll just talk to the Lord, which is a lot. Sometimes I'm trying to be more silent, you know, like interior silence, but it's quite hard. You've got really disciplined. It's actually a gift, so pray for it. Pray for that gift. But I can't advocate going before the Lord in the Eucharist. And I'll tell you the truth. Not many people do. You know, obviously we do go to Mass on a Sunday. Maybe you go during the week. But spend that one-to-one -one time with Christ. He waits for you. He said it to one of the mystics. He waits for you in there. Just to sit before him. Even if it's five minutes as you're passing by the church. He's waiting for you. And it's truly life-changing. You know, the other day, I was in my church doing a holy hour. And I'm not saying I'm dead perfect at this, you know, I've not got my time quite right, but I'll always try and get there because I know if I miss a day, I feel agitated. I actually feel confused. I'm like, something's not right. I need to get to church. Like there was one day last week and I couldn't get there to sit with the Lord and I missed it. You know, you start to long for it because it's peace. You know, the world's going on. This is peace. And it doesn't just stay in there. You know, Christ walks with you. But you experience it in such an amazing way in front of the Lord. Truly present, body, blood, soul and divinity. You know, if you could really see him with spiritual eyes, spiritual glasses as I call it, you'd be blown away. And so last week I was doing my holy hour and um, I was just about to go and the, the older priest, I think he'd been away and he was coming in to say mass, obviously because you know a priest has to say mass every day. And he was just doing um, a mass in the church and he said, I'm just about to do a mass. This was at, you know, the time I was leaving. I was the only one in there. He said, you're welcome to stay. And then I said, is it just going to be you? He said, yeah. So I felt bad. I said, okay, I'll stay. <laughs> so then it was just me and father in the church. And there was someone else actually at the very back. And I was a bit nervous because I thought, when do I respond? You know, I don't have a clue what Latin is. So I just stood there, like wrapped up because I was freezing. But it was just the Lord. It was such a gift because it was like literally just me in the mass, I was the only one that went up to receive. And, and the Lord allowed me to experience this, to share, that it's one-on-one. -on -one. You know, every mass that you go to, obviously, is a community, of course, but it's personal and it's intimate. It's one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, I'm not saying anything amazing happened in that mass, it was just the fact that, you know, the Lord, through the priest, said, do you want to stay? I couldn't really say no, could I? And I wanted to stay, you know, I wanted the Eucharist again. It gives me the grace that I need to survive, literally you die without it. You see, the mass is actually the prayer against anxiety. What's the core that we say? When it says, deliver us Lord, we beseech you from every evil and grant us peace in our day so that aided by your mercy, we might be ever free from sin and protected from all anxiety. 
You won't experience peace anywhere like, like you will before the tabernacle, before the Lord Eucharistic with praise. He's the Prince of Peace. And he'll, he pours, Saint Mother Teresa said, from the monstrance or the tabernacle, that rays of light shine out. You know, it's literally like sunbathing. You know, you'll come out with a face radiant. People will see it in your eyes. Where have you just been? I've just been before God, the king of the universe. You know, when you put it as simple as that, it draws you in. I can't recommend going before the tabernacle enough. And I just want to say, I realised through that going before the Lord, day in, day out, you know, filling my lamp while I can. So come before the Lord at this time in your life. The church is around the corner. He's there and he's waiting. And it's there, unlike anywhere else, not theology, not talks, not, you know, obviously reading the Bible is different. Nowhere else have I learned Christ's love than before that tabernacle. Because I realised by constantly coming to the Lord and constantly pouring out my woes, I realised, hang on a minute, flip the coin, he's constantly there for me. Giving my complete, full and total attention. No one on this earth, your husband, your wife, your mum, your dad, father, no matter who it is, they cannot give you complete, full and total attention 24-7. Only God can do that. And I've realised that this, when I come before him, he's there for me again. Every church, everywhere you go in the world, every town, he's there for you in a tabernacle waiting for you to go in and just sit with him. And he doesn't ask much. You know, it was revealed to blessed Henry Suzo. He had a vision of the Lord and the Lord just said to him, my son, give me your heart. That's all he asks. That's all he asks is to give him your heart. And that can be quite scary because it's handing over your heart, relinquishing control, but trust him. He knows you and he wants you to be happy. Your stability, your rock awaits you in the church every single day and it will change your life. Maybe you already do it, so that's amazing. But I'm encouraging you to keep going. And I'm actually finding as well, not just me, it's, it's a consensus across the whole world. The Lord is stirring people's hearts and he's drawing them in before his tabernacle, before the church. I've heard different priests say it in America, in Europe. People are being drawn to sit in churches and I've seen it more in my own parish. You know, one time it was probably every time I went in, it was only ever me. But now I'm seeing people dotted around the church. People are being drawn into the church because they know there's a presence the presence of God. And the final word is just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the Lord. He's not coming to take your free will. That's one thing you'll never take is your free will. And the quote that I want to share is Pope Benedict, Emeritus Benedict. You know, when he said this, he said on the basis of long personal experience of life and great conviction, he said, don't be afraid to open the doors to Christ fully to open your heart completely to the Lord. You know, the one thing that stops many people doing that, and this was the case for me, is that you fear he's gonna come in and take things away. It's gonna take your freedom. When in fact, Pope Benedict said, you know, he said, are we not perhaps all afraid in some way 
if we let Christ enter fully into our lives, if we open ourselves totally to him, are we not afraid that he might take something away from us? And then he says, no, if we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing of what makes life free, beautiful and great. Christ wants to be your friend and friends aren't scared of each other. The Lord wants to take any fear out of your heart so that you can trust him and know that he's got your back, as they say, and that he's for you and that he's not against you. And I just want to clarify, the only thing that he takes away are the things that damage you. You know, he wants to take away the anxiety and the fear. You know, it doesn't mean he's going to take suffering because we all face that in life, but he's going to make you so strong. You know, you're here tonight and I really believe it. He's making each one of you strong, even as you're listening to persevere and to trust him. And you'll know when you're trusting him the most is when you feel so far from it. You know, when the feelings dominate, when you feel so vulnerable and weak and you're clinging to him, that's when you're trusting him. And so rejoice in those moments because he's growing your trust. Never, ever give up with the Lord. Always persevere. You know, if you think about St. Paul, did you know that he was lashed 40 times, five times? And... He was hit with rods, he was beaten with rods three times, he was stoned once, he was shipwrecked three times, once he was in the open sea, just drifting, just his little body drifting in the sea for a day and a night. He had um, dangers from the rivers, robbers, people, cities, deserts. He had sleepless nights, he was hungry, thirsty and cold, but he never gave up. You know, he didn't let his circumstances influence his thoughts about God. He let how he thought about God influence his circumstances. And this is why you need to come to know Christ and who he really is and trust him and be a shining light in the world, which is absolutely thirsting for truth and light. And the Lord wants you to be that light. But first, to be that light, you have to be filled yourself. You have to trust him with your whole life with everything in there. And I promise you, you can trust him.